0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Fusion Hopkins, left circle, wrist shot, score. Good trick, Ryan. Right! Hopkins. Harris takes a snap, draws back, he throws. That's complete, and a big game for the Eskimos. It's Ricky Collins Jr. again. Edmonton's
1: home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos.
0: 6.30, Chad. Well, forget about will the Toronto Argos win a game? Will they score a point? That's what I'm wondering. Five minutes left in the first half. No surprise with this score. Well, actually, maybe it's a little closer than you would expect. Winnipeg is leading the Argos 13-0. And as I say this, the Bombers get a good play inside Toronto's 15. Will the Argos score a point? They are uh, just short of seven quarters without a point. They scored with about three minutes left in the third quarter in Calgary on July 18th. They were shut out last week on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. And uh, now they're getting their lunch handed to them again by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They are as horrid a football team as I have uh, seen in my 40-some years of watching professional football. They are downright bad. They obviously have injuries at the quarterback position and uh, they just are not good. And they have about four fans as Andrew Harris waltzes into the end zone for a Winnipeg touchdown to make it 19 nothing. When will it end? When will it end? I mean, all the fans are on one side, so those bleachers at least look sort of respectively populated. People there don't care. The people there do not care. The, the the team is awful. I, I I you know I I don't know if there's ever going to be a team in in Halifax or Moncton or wherever they want to put it. So what? Go back to eight teams. H- have eight teams that we can at least reasonably care about and maybe can try to be competitive. I I know that'll probably never happen. I know they're going to keep trying. I thought this was a good move when they moved into the smaller stadium. It has it has not been a good move. Like it's just it's it's despicable and it's made worse by the fact that they're just completely horrid 20 to nothing now Winnipeg leading Toronto we will keep you updated on that one as we move along tonight there's a CFL game later on which is much more interesting and going to be much better attended Hamilton at Saskatchewan the Riders Coming off a sweep of the home-and-home against the B.C. Lions. They're up to 3-3 three and three on the season. Two points between Calgary and Edmonton in the West Division. And, of course, Hamilton looking very good at 5-1. and one, Only playing on the road for the third time this season. And they have a new quarterback, Jeremiah Masoli, out for the season. So Dane Evans will be their starter. He did play uh, last week as they finished off Winnipeg to get that victory. The Edmonton Stingers home tonight, 7 o'clock, Fraser Valley. At the Edmonton Expo Center, the Stingers have won eight in a row. They're 12-4 and four on the year. And the Edmonton Prospects lost last night in Fort McMurray. They are home to Yorkton tonight at seven. Seven home games in the next five days for the Edmonton Prospects. They're a game and a half out of the playoffs. Uh, so they're probably going to have to win at least five More likely six or seven to get in, but they are playing at home. And uh, their coach, Jordan Blundell, is going to join us in about 10 minutes or so to help tee up that game. Also tonight, we'll have Stampeders defensive back Trey Roberson on the show, Larry Highbaugh's grandson. The uh, late, great Larry Highbaugh, who was uh, known for being an incredible defensive back and returner during his time with the Edmonton Eskimos. And Dan Bass is going to be in studio as well. One of the great Eskimos of all time. He's in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Played middle linebacker. Don't forget, played for Calgary before he came to Edmonton and played for the Eskimos. And the Stamps probably wished they had him that entire time. You can text six thirty six thirty. The call-in number is 780-496-0063. You can get me on Twitter at Reid Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And the email is InsideSports at 630 chcom The 1932 by Bateman Open at the Country Club. Hayden Buckley has the lead. He shot an 8-under 63 today. Shintaro Ban and Will Gordon one off the lead. The top Canadian tied for fourth with a 65 is David Rose. Will Bateman... From Edmonton, he's having a good round. He's still on the course. He is tied for 10th. He is 5-under through 15. We had uh, Will Bateman and AJ Armstrong in studio last week. Uh, Jamie Sedlowski, 3-under par, former Bonneville Pontiac. I used to watch him play hockey in the AJHL. He shot a 3-under 68. Uh, But, of course, uh, I mentioned we had Will in last week along with uh, AJ Armstrong and uh, a lot of Canadians playing in this tournament. And this is going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. A.J. Armstrong, a little bit of a tougher day so far, two over through uh, 14. So hopefully he can maybe record a couple birdies over his last uh, four holes and get you back up to even. All right. Uh, This texter says, the problem with no Toronto in the CFL is who's going to televise the games. It certainly won't be TSN or Sportsnet. Uh, I I will strongly disagree with that text, and I will tell you why. Nobody's watching the Argos games either. I mean, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have the best ratings of any team in the league. I mean, let's face it. I, I bug Rider fans all the time, but I respect the heck out of them, and they're a big part of the passion for the league. And fans go to those games. Those fans care about the team regardless of how they're doing. I mean, heck, they lost their gaunch over the mascot a month ago. Like, we, we had a Rider fan, Maria Vicente, who lives in Edmonton, who started an online petition because people didn't like the eyeballs of the mascot. So if the Ryder games are on TV, uh, they'll they'll be watched. They will be watched. And obviously there's some, some other pretty good TV markets as well. It kind of fluctuates a little bit. But if, if the Toronto Argos didn't exist, probably the average TV ratings would go up on TSN. I actually think the average ratings would go up like, if you're an average Joe fan, are you watching this twenty to nothing smash fest tonight? Like, it's a, it's a blank show. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So, like, I, I don't th- I, if the Argos left the league. I don't think then TSN wants out, doesn't want to renew the TV contract. They, I don't know. I mean, I, I get all the the jokes and sarcasm about the Toronto Sports Network, and hey, sometimes we all feel that way. A third of Canada lives in southern Ontario around Toronto, but they're, they're not following the Argos. The pockets of the rest of the country is following the Canadian Football League. So I think if the Argos left the CFL, that would help the average ratings of the league. That's how I feel about that. I, I, I understand what that texture is saying. I think I get the angle that you're looking at it from, but I, I'm looking at it totally from from another angle. It's just, it's, it's, it's maddening to see. Kellen Kennedy's on the other side of the window. Hey, Reed. It's, it's, and it, it, this is the thing for me. Like, I am now truly a middle-aged human being. I'm 45 years of old, 45 years of age. Since I was a kid, well, what are we going to do about the Argos? What are we going to do about the Argos? We're not going to do anything about the Argos. We're going to sit there and watch them suck and no one care. Mm-hmm. Though, oddly enough, they seem to be good enough to somehow win a Grey Cup every five to eight years. But, I mean, it's, it, they've, they've tried a lot of things. They had the, they had the greatest Canadian athlete of all time own the team for a while, along with a multi-millionaire and uh, one of Canada's most beloved performers of all time. I'm talking about, respectively, Wayne Gretzky, Bruce McDowell, and John Candy. They had a, they had a little burst there. Rocket Ismail helped them win the Grey Cup. Like, I, I just, I am at the point where, and I don't give up easily, Kellen. It's hopeless. Oh, it is. It's hopeless. It is. It is 1,000% hopeless. If Toronto had Winnipeg's. Okay, so Winnipeg right now is the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. I guess Hamilton beat them. I, I still think Winnipeg's better. If, if Toronto had Winnipeg's roster, people are still not going. If this game is. Oh, my God, the Argos might get points. Wait, breaking news. Kripina, 45-yard field goal. It's good. And they're on the board after seven quarters and about a minute of not scoring. But Winnipeg leads Toronto 20-3. And the fans there are cheering, which is great. And, you know, they deserve to have a team to go to and watch. They should just put this team in Saskatoon. Give Saskatchewan two teams. Divide that province in half like Alberta is. Call them the Saskatoon, I don't know, well, we can't say Rattlers because that's the team in the <laughs> that's the team in the basketball league. Do you the also River not, Lions. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll steal it from Niagara. <laughs> they got a nice River Valley of Saskatoon. <laughs> there we go. Move the Argos to Saskatoon and call them the River Lions. Do you also not think that uh, without the Argos in the CFL, the attendance numbers and the ratings for Ty Cats games would also I don't get care. a little bit of a bump I'm as well? I'm not thinking about Ty Cats games. Uh, because... The Ticats are supported really well, and I think that... It doesn't uh, matter. Know. Yes, they are. They're they're fine. They're fine. Give Saskatchewan. Reward Saskatchewan with another team. And some people from Saskatoon who have rider season tickets, sometimes they give up those tickets because they don't want to drive to the end. Give them a team. Give Saskatoon a team. Call them the River Lions. Or call them the also call them the Rough Riders. You can have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Saskatoon Rough Riders. I don't care. Still try to get a team in Halifax or Moncton, or, or Fredericton, or Charlottetown, wherever they want to put it, just just get the Argos out of there. If they don't want the CFL, fine, don't give it to them. I mean, Kellen, if you kept serving me cornflakes and I never ate them, mm-hmm. would there be a point where you're where you're like, I'm not going to waste the two minutes out of my day to pour the flakes and the milk into the bowl and get the spoon and give it to Reed? you just be like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't get you would just not give me cornflakes. Right. You'd just be like, Wilkins doesn't get his flakes. Okay, so for the 2,000 people in Toronto that are passionate about the Argos, well, I'm sorry. They're moving to Saskatoon. They're moving to Saskatoon. All right. I don't want to talk to me about that. Chris says Toronto is so bad. So is BC right now. Uh, not as bad as Toronto, but surprisingly bad. What is going on with BC? That is from Chris. Oh, that's a loaded question. They don't have a good enough O line. Okay, I'm gonna say I, I, I'm gonna say this. And Ed Hervey has been a very good general manager in the CFL. I don't think he has always been a very good person in terms of how he treated people, and that's part of the reason he got fired here but he has generally been a very good manager in the CFL. Certainly a big part of the Eskimos winning in 2015, a big part of the Lions turning it around last season. But like players, sometimes general managers and coaches have slumps or streaks and have better years than others. And here is how I'm going to partially summarize the problem with the BC Lions, besides their own line. Ed Hervey is finding out that the 2015 Edmonton Eskimos can't win the Grey Cup in 2019. Because he brought in a lot of players off that team. And uh, four years is a generation in football. And if you're a generation older, you're probably not going to be very good. So I think that is part of what is going on there. And they they just they can't protect Riley... And when they do, I don't think Riley's getting the ball out quick enough, and I think their confidence is, is waning, and they're pretty bad. And they barely beat Toronto. I mean, Toronto had a very good chance to win that game. It six eighteen. 6-18. Uh, Jordan Blundell as we move along. Trey Roberson, Larry Highbaugh's grandson from the Calgary Stampeders, all coming up.
2: This is Don Unombo of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ched. All
0: right, Eskimos Stampeders coming up on Saturday, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff here on 630 Ched, and the game will start at 5. That's going to be a good one. Both teams are 4-2. and two. I gave you some numbers earlier this week on the show. Edmonton, Calgary has favored Calgary Dramatically lately in the CFL. Since 2008, the Eskimos are four and twelve at McMahon Stadium, four and fifteen if you factor in playoff games. You can text six thirty-six thirty. Sawbones writes in, he says, Hey Reed. I'd still watch the Argos because nothing makes me happier than watching Toronto lose. Well, he must be loving their game so far this year. David says, Reed, you just want the Argos to fold so the Eskimos can, with a little luck, become the all-time winningest team of great cups. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Toronto does not hold that record, do they not? They do. They have 17 great cups. Edmonton has 14. Winnipeg has 10. David, I can assure you that has nothing to do with my motivation. And uh, Luke says, uh, move the Argos to the Maritimes. The rest of the league will be fine. Even BC fans show up when the team is good. That is from Luke. Big T says, you could call a CFL team the Saskatoon River Rats. And a couple people have suggested the Saskatoon Berries. Ooh, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. I don't mind that at all. The Saskatoon berries. The river rats could be interesting. You could have a live rat on a little boat in a pool as your mascot. What, like the water skiing squirrel? Yes, but he'd you dress him as a you dress a rat as a little pirate. Oh, okay. You Put the rat. How how cute is that?
2: Have him do a little number to the last Saskatchewan pirate.
0: Yes, you, know. you could. So you'd have a rat. And you'd dress him in a pirate. You'd give him an eye patch and a little sword, a little hilted sword. And uh, I guess he'd wear a pirate. Py- a a, well, I don't know what color they would be. Oh, Toronto got a touchdown. That's pretty amazing. Now, here's the thing. After I mouth off like this, watch Toronto win this game and go on some incredible winning streak and sell out a game. It's, well, there's only 14 people listening, so whatever. So I'm like, marking the tape. So it's not like... <laughs> Thought like people in Toronto probably care what I think about their team because most of them probably don't even know they have a team. Anyway, so the Saskatoon River Rats. Who who wrote that in? That's a good one. Big T wrote Big T. You should if you're an artist, you should do your rendition of the mascot. The little, <laughs> the little pirate. <laughs> this is this is the funniest image I've had in my head in several days. You dress up a rat as a pirate. You have a you know, like a wading pool size water. You'd have it, you wouldn't have it on the ground. It'd have to be waist height. So you have about the size of an l- average wading pool. Yeah, a kiddie pool. And you pool. put the rat, yeah, like a kiddie pool, and you put the rat in a little boat. <laughs> and that's your basket. And then, oh, it could be a motorboat, remote controlled. And then when they score a touchdown, the person with the remote control makes him do laughs on his little boat. And then if he fell into the water, he would look like a drowned rat. Man, we, Kellen, License the ideas money. we've had this summer, and I know—I and I lump our beautiful listeners into that because it was Big T that got us going on this. We, we, we've invented, uh, we, we founded a new wrestling alliance, and now mm-hmm. we have... Uh, the the perfect mascot and team name for this the future TFL CFL team in Saskatoon Saskatoon River rats with a live rat dressed as a pirate for their mascot
3: mm-hmm.
0: God this is we should just start calling this show like idea sports uh this texture says great idea someone will find it offensive and start the whole I'm offended thing well possibly I don't know would a rat mascot offend people? Shouldn't. I don't think so. It shouldn't. I mean, yesterday we were talking about throwing canned hams at animals. But people, too, if they're a mascot for a team you didn't like. Right. All right. It is 625. Winnipeg leading Toronto. twenty 40 seconds left. In the second quarter, uh, Eskimos coming up on Saturday against the Calgary Stampeders. We'll get to some of the uh, audio from practice today. Dave and Morley were there, and now they've headed on down to Calgary to cover that game. Trey Roberson is coming up from the Calgary Stampeders. Five interceptions in six games this season. He had three in week one, two in week four. He also had a fumble return touchdown against the Toronto Argos a couple of weeks ago. He's having an incredible season. Uh, we will get to a little bit of Oilers discussion as well as we were talking last night about cutting down the goals against and I got some stats on that and also on their penalty kill and what they will have to aspire to to uh, try to become a playoff team this season. I I did a radio hit in Vegas today with our buddy Brian Blessing Hmm? and he had a I I didn't catch the gentleman's name but he had someone with him today and the the person said how come the Oilers underachieved last year and I said "I, I don't think they did I actually think they achieved they had Three really good players. They had a couple forwards, uh, Cassian and Chase on, have nice little uh, spurts of offense. And then I, I think the rest of the forwards kind of, except for Reeder, I guess, kind of scored at the level you would expect them to. I, I didn't think the Oilers were an underachieving or, or lazy team last season. I, I, I thought they pretty much played to their potential. Anyway, uh, more on that as we move along.
2: for all the news and expert opinion inside sports with reed wilkins on 630 Chad. all
0: right thanks a lot for tuning in tonight uh we had a jared on the text line pointing out there's already an albany river rats but i think we could have another team called that for sure you can text 630 630 we do have a special guest uh on the phone line we're going to get to in about a minute but jerry has called in so i want to give him some time since he's taking the time to dial us go ahead
3: hi reed uh, okay, so, uh, like, uh, my wife, my wife beat cancer, this is what I'm going to talk about, but she did, right, breast cancer, so I, I go to a naturopath and surgery every couple of weeks, right, and, uh, I listen to the fan 960, and, like, these guys have been ripping on the Luge contract and laughing at us for, like, a couple of years, right, and, and, you know, like, oh my, how the tides have turned, and I'm the one who phoned in, or texted in, I'm sorry. I texted in last week, and I said, Reed, Neil's going to get 30 goals this year, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was me. And, uh, I, I like, he's a seriously driven man, right? Like, he he's an all-star. Not an all-star, but a superstar all his career, and he had a bad year, right? So he, he couldn't have a better opportunity is what I think.
0: I'm going to tell you and, something quickly here, Jerry. The Oilers... All right, we talk about how they couldn't score that last year. They were 20th in the NHL in goals four, which isn't great, but two teams in the playoffs scored fewer goals than the Oilers because they kept it out of their own net, the Islanders and Dallas. Okay didn't help us with that well no I don't know if he helped at either end unfortunately but I'm just and, I'm just saying I'm just saying if they just score a little bit more I think I think preventing goals for them is going to be more vital than scoring a whole bunch more I think if they can score a bit more but do better in prevention I think that's going to make a bigger difference
3: well and I think Dave Tippett's probably exactly the right guy for that right uh one other thing uh, just a shout out the askd i don't know if i've ever seen a better df like oh my uh, they have their they have they have their little flops and they screw up and whatever because they're human and we all do but oh my they just i can't wait to watch the askd
0: okay jerry thanks appreciate it
3: Go ask. Thanks,
0: Reed. All right. Well, I'm going to bring in a guy who's probably going to disagree with that. So this will be fun. He got to be on hold for that. It's Trey Roberson, a defensive back for the uh, for the Calgary Stampeders. Trey, thanks for coming on tonight. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm guessing you think the Calgary defense is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're pretty good. We're coming together pretty nicely. All right. Well, this is going to be a good showdown coming up on Saturday night. Both teams are 4-2, are, are and two, and uh, I think there's a lot of storylines going into this game, Trey. But we wanted to have you on to tell your story a, a little bit because obviously you're talking to a fan base uh, where your grandfather was incredibly successful and incredibly uh, popular. I know we lost him a couple of years ago, but Larry Highbaugh, your your granddad, tell us, I, I know you aren't old enough to have have seen him play, but what did you know about his his football career or maybe conversations you might have had about football? Well,
2: I just uh, knew that he was an unbelievable athlete. He could play many sports, uh, track, basketball. I heard he was a, a great basketball player also. So, I mean, just the the, the work that he put in, uh, all the all the accomplishments that he had. Uh, I mean, just hearing hearing about him, and I tell my teammates all the time, I have a lot that I got to look up to. I mean, anytime you talk about six great cups, sixty six interceptions, I mean, I mean that's a that's a far reach from where I'm at right now.
0: Well, and I'm glad you mentioned his all around athletic ability, uh, athletic ability, because he also did track at Indiana University. Uh, I think he. Was I think he did the 100 and the 200, so an incredible sprinter and return kicks for the Eskimos uh, a, as well. Um, did did you were you able to spend a, a lot of time with him and ever talk about football or any advice he gave you along those lines? Yeah, uh, I always
2: spent uh, time with him uh, during the holidays uh, when we would go to Atlanta, which is where he were, wherever he was living. And uh, I mean, we talk about everything, we'd talk about life, talk about football. Uh, I was a quarterback at the time, so we didn't. I mean. We had a little bit in common just because we played the game, but uh, I was on the I was I was playing quarterback, so he didn't really give me too much too much to talk about. But once I switched to DB, he was there to to, to help me out and tell me different tendencies to look for.
0: Okay, well that thanks for sharing those uh, memories, and, and and like we've said, he was very popular here uh, here in Edmonton, and, and and we miss him, but he's fondly remembered. But a good transition there. I di- I actually didn't know that about you. And how the heck do you go from quarterback to defensive back? And you must know quarterbacks <laughs> generally get paid better, the defensive backs. <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Man, it's just an athletic ability that I was born with. I mean, my grandfather, he, he was a really, really athletic guy, and I guess he, he passed genes down to me. my, my mom's athletic, but, uh, my dad. So, I mean, I was just blessed with good genes and, and the mind of being able to play multiple positions. I mean, I'm an all-around football player. I could do multiple things. So, I mean, it's
0: just a blessing. So, who was there a coach or, or a teammate or a mentor that prompted you to, to make that move? Because I wonder how that conversation went at the time.
2: Uh, yeah, there was one. Um, my uh, my agent, my old agent, he told me uh, that it would be the best uh, decision to, to try to play a different position. And I always felt like I didn't want to play quarterback on the, on the professional level. I mean, it's just a lot of pressure. I wanted to have fun and enjoy football and not have to be ridiculed all the time you know so i mean that was just an easy decision for me and i'm very athletic uh and just what i learned from playing quarterback i mean i learned different things about defenses uh, i learned quarterback reads and stuff like that so which is actually helping me out so i mean i'm I'm, ex- I'm excited for the change uh, i mean i've been working really really hard on on the little details and the, the little fundamentals that i have to have to do to be a good DB.
0: okay Trey Roberson from the Calgary Stampeders joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Tell me a little bit about coming to uh, the Canadian Football League. I mean, this is a standard question I, I have American play- ask American players. You obviously would have known more about the CFL uh, because of Larry Highbob, but I-, I know you're with the Minnesota Vikings for a couple of seasons. What led to the decision ultimately to sign with the Stampeders and to head north? Uh, well, I had
2: actually signed uh, with the Stampeders once I was released from uh, Minnesota. And uh, I had worked a job the whole entire year, so I, I wasn't able to come up yet until the uh, the following season. So I actually worked a job. So um, I mean, just uh, just, just want to pursue the game. You know, I, I knew that I was a, a good DB. I knew that I had to come come up here and get film and actually get better at my craft because I was learning how to play DB on the on the fly when I first got to Minnesota. So. I learned, I literally learned, walked in the locker room, didn't know what position I was playing, and literally stepped on the field to play DB. Never backpedaled before that day either. So, I mean, it was just a, it's actually a blessing. And I mean, it's a destiny. I mean, I feel like I was born to play DB. I'm pretty long, pretty fast. So, I think it was just, it was actually just a blessing.
0: What are some of the biggest challenges you have found to being a defensive back in the Canadian Football League? Uh, it, the some of the the rules in the CFL are obviously different than than from the NFL in terms of what an offense can do before the snap that, that's often the answer I get, but I'm wondering what what it is to you
2: Yeah 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 for so the waggles so I play in the boundary and then once you get someone waggling at you full speed. I mean they can go they can go deep, they can go short. I mean, they can do it multiple things as they're running at you full speed, and you're trying to stay patient and, and and really not not give up too much ground and be able to play uh, play uh, multiple multiple balls because with the timing and the boundary, one step you can get beat. So just being able to, uh, to try to break down certain things and try to try to lessen the thinking that I have on that play to to make the play or uh, to make everything easier. I mean, that's a challenge. But other than that, uh, I think with my film studying that i I have a pretty good good knowledge of what's going
0: to happen well you joined the stampeders during a a pretty successful time in their in their history and you got to win the gray cup last season tell me just a little bit about about going through that i mean you guys i know you won a lot in the regular season but they did that the two years before you got here as well and they weren't able to seal the deal what was the journey like last season for you
2: Man, it was awesome. You know, after all the hard work that I put in with the year out of football, working a full-time job, uh, taking care of my family, and, and then coming coming back into football, earning a starting job the first year, and being on such, such a successful program, I mean, there's nothing more that I could ask for, and I'm just blessed to be, just blessed to
0: be a Calgary St. Peter. What were you doing for work your year away?
2: Uh, I was driving a box truck. Uh, I was uh, delivering, uh, doing different deliveries. We were uh, doing mail deliveries. There'll be times where I'm driving 9, 12 hours a day, you know, stuff like that. So being a mail car, you know, mail travels, 20, uh, travels 24 hours a day. It never stops running. You know, there are different relays that, that get you to what you need to get to. So I was just a part of one of those relays.
0: So it, it must have been an interesting perspective then. You like you must be really cherishing this opportunity to be a pro athlete.
2: Yeah, I was actually in the work field. Actually having to work for everything. I mean, we're working really, really hard. Uh, like in the, in the real work field. So I get, a, get I have a real appreciation for everyone that's in the regular work field. Also,
0: Trey Roberson from the Calgary Stampeders joining us on Inside Sports this season. You made a splash with three interceptions in the first game of the year. You have five total. On the year, uh, I think you had three last year, Trey. So, so you're getting after that ball. But what's what's led to your success with interceptions so far this season? Is there something you can put your finger on?
2: Uh, well, I've been working since November. You know, after the Grey Cup, I've been working since then. So, And I, I've been wor- hired a footwork guy, footwork lab. And uh, I've been working on my feet, working on different techniques. Uh, I've been watching a lot of film. I, I haven't stopped watching film. So I've, I've always you know, I've been in football mode since November. You know, even though I, we had the break, I've still been in football mode. So I've still been watching film. So I, I'm seeing tendencies and stuff like that. And I'm going out there and I'm, and I'm working on my backpedal, working on different techniques, and, and just making sure that I'm honed in on my skill. That's it.
0: Do you, do you have to have a mentality that the I mean, look, this might sound like an obvious question because I know you want interceptions and you want to get the ball, to get the ball but the Eskimos' defense, and with Philip Lawley as the coordinator, they have really focused on, like, when the ball's in the air, it's, it's ours. It's not the offense's. It's, it's ours. Don't go for a knockdown. Don't go for a big hit. Like, go for the ball. Do you have to get yourself in that frame of mind? Well,
2: not, I mean, not really. You know, the only time I would really go for an interception, if I can make the interception, if I can't make the interception, then I'll try to knock the ball down. You know, but uh, I do a pretty good job of studying. So if I, if I get an interception on that play, it's usually because I had studied and I had knew that play was coming. You know, there was only one other interception that I had that was a uh, it was a, a, a drop ball that I picked off. The other ones, I knew that that play was coming and I was able to go pick it.
0: Okay, well that's interesting. And so many guys talk about the value of film study, right? So you're echoing that absolutely. What's interesting though is your touchdown this season, Trey, was not an interception return. It was a fumble return touchdown. I, I re-watched it this afternoon, and with the way the ball came out, you had to run the opposite way for a little bit before you could get turned around, and then you had to wait for a review because the, the runner was pretty close to being uh, being tackled. What do you remember about that play? You had to, Like I said, you had to do quite a bit of running.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Corey, Corey Greenwood just made a great play. Uh, he was able to force the ball out. Uh, and then uh, I mean I seen the ball on the ground of one of my teammates there, Roy uh, Royce Metchie. He was there to pick it up. He kind of missed it, so I just got it. And, I mean just try to make a play with it. I felt like I had a lot of a little bit of room, and I just seen one cut. Everyone was blocking, so and I just took off and went. And, and you can just see a picture of Calgary St. Peter's running down the field, uh, just uh, trying to block uh, Thompson. So I mean it was a great picture.
0: All right, Saturday you play the Eskimos. Uh, you know you you were first year in the CFL. Last year with Calgary, but I'm sure you are aware of a little thing we call the Battle of Alberta. What do those three yeah. words mean to you?
2: I mean, it means a lot. I mean, I'm on the other side. Uh, my grandfather was on the Edmonton side. I mean, but I'm, I'm blessed to be in the in the era where Calgary is the dominant team. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for the three matchups that we have this year. I mean, it's always good to play against a great program and uh, I mean, great players.
0: A quick thought on the Eskimos' offense, Trey. Speaking of interceptions, Trevor Harris doesn't throw a lot of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, he has, he completes a, a high percentage of his balls. He makes pretty good reads. I mean, he has some good targets to throw to also. So I mean, we've got to be honed in on our assignments and, uh, and ready to play.
0: All right. And the last one comes from a listener, Trey, on the text line. This is a great question. Uh, can you ask Trey what it felt like to win the championship on the field where his grandpa played so many games? Did that factor into it at all last year in the Grey Cup?
2: Oh, yeah, man. It, it felt it awesome. I mean, I mean, I felt like his spirit was there. I mean, I was locked in. I mean, I, and I played a really, really good game, too. So, I mean, I just felt like he was there, and I, and I really wanted to put on a good show.
0: Well, well said. Trey, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, as as I'm sure you can, as I'm sure you already know, and from the text I'm, I'm getting in, uh, a lot of people fondly remembering your grandfather. I, I know a lot of Eskimos fans are, are probably struggling a little bit right now because you come across as a very nice guy, but they want to hate you because you play for the St. Peters. <laughs> but you're probably used to that by now. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean I'm a different demon on the on the field, but uh, in the person, I'm a pretty good, pretty nice guy.
0: Okay, well, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, you're having a heck of the season. Really appreciate you joining us on Inside Sports. All right, thank you very much for having me. All right, that is Trey Roberson from the Calgary Stampede. It's been a really good conversation, and uh, besides the, the whole angle relating to Larry Highbaugh, an interesting journey for him being away from football for a year. He talked about driving a, a, a truck, and, and now he's, he's ready to go and watching a ton of film, and we've had so many football players talk, us, uh, talk to us about that over the, the last few years. And what did he say? Five interceptions, one of them on a tip ball, the other four. He said he knew the play and he knew where the ball was going, and he went out there and got it. Good stuff from him. All right, we'll take a quick timeout, and we'll tee up the prospects' big game coming up at 7.
1: Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, first pitch coming
0: up in about 15 minutes at REMAX Field. Huge game for the Edmonton prospects as they... We'll try to uh, sneak into the playoffs here over the final weekend of the regular season. They are uh, taking on Yorkton tonight, and the coach of the prospects is Jordan Blundell.
1: Jordan, how are you doing? Hey, Reed. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. We're doing all right. Uh, getting ready for uh, a stretch here at home and the game tonight.
0: Well, really important stretch at home, and I and I want to talk about that. There, there's a lot to get to with you guys because you have several storylines. Let's just uh, quickly look back at the last couple of games in in Fort McMurray. One going your way, one didn't, and and they're the team you're you're trying to track down, or at least closest uh, in the race. What were the last two nights like?
1: Yeah, two nights ago it was uh, kind of a back and forth game, and, and uh, yeah, we both got into each other's bullpens and um you know we were able to get the big hit when we needed it uh and and, uh you know we were able to make a big pitch when we needed it so for us that was uh you know good timing uh from guys on our team and and some timely hits and uh you know when you need to make a big pitch and you're able to do that that's always uh, a good sign so it was a tight game we were able to uh, uh take it and uh you know, it was uh it was a battle for sure. And then last night, the uh, game got away from us. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't deserve to, to win it. And as the score indicates, you know, we didn't play well enough in that game to, to get a better result. We made some mistakes early and in the middle of the game. And, and they did a good job and capitalized when they had opportunities. And, and uh, you know, yesterday we weren't able to make a big pitch when we needed it. And, and we weren't able to get that big hit when we needed it. So... Um, you know, back to the drawing board. Uh, we're we're going to try and get after it tonight and and put ourselves back in a good position.
0: Well, and teams always want to win those home games, and, and I know you're not exactly where you want to be in the standings. But uh, I mean, I'm look at this drive, and this is an opportunity. Win your home games, you're in the playoffs. I, I really think it's that simple because you got seven left at Remax Field.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, we're we're still in control of our destiny here, and. and know we need to make the plays we're supposed to make and kind of get back to the routine style of baseball and um you know it uh it'll be fun uh we we love being here the guys uh the guys that aren't from here uh love being in edmonton and love playing in front of our fans and playing at remax field it's uh it's a special place and it's good to be at home and and it'll uh it'll feel good once we get going here in uh shortly and with our pregame and and uh get preparing, and, and get back into the routine of being at home versus being on the road.
0: This is an interesting schedule. Yorkton tonight and tomorrow. Yorkton and Brooks on Saturday. Brooks twice on Sunday. And then Yorkton again on Monday. So it is seven games uh, in five days. Uh, I, I'm assuming this is some uh, some things that have to be pre-jigged because of, because of the rain and stuff?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll actually go Yorkton, Yorkton. And then Saturday, Yorkton Brooks. And then Sunday, Brooks Brooks. And then Monday, we'll play Brooks. So, yeah, it's a lot of baseball. Um, but that's uh, it's, a, it's like the college style conference tournament. It's turning time. You know, we need to bear down and, uh, you know, make the routine plays and, and give ourselves an opportunity to, to you know, win the night. And, and that means you got to take care of the little things. And, you know, we're not looking too far ahead. Uh, it's one game at a time for us. And, um you know we will uh, we'll approach that as such tonight it's uh you know it's playoff time for us so it's a it's a playoff game tonight
0: tell me about managing the lineup and the pitching through this busy stretch to end the season and especially in light of that it doesn't sound like you're as healthy as you would like to be
1: yeah you know there's some juggling that goes on there reed and, and when you have some guys banged up uh Sometimes you have to make last-minute adjustments, and, and you know, at, at this point of the year, we we may have to put a a player or two in, in a different position to to help the ball club. So, um, you know, being versatile, something that uh, you know we we recruited, we, we recruited players, uh, you know, based on the fact that they could play a couple different spots, and and we're hopeful that they'll have success doing that tonight. Uh, we'll need to do that as we've got a couple guys out. Uh, we're not sure if they'll be back or when they'll be back. So. Um, but every team deals with that. It's it's part of the game. You know, unfortunately for us, maybe it's happening when uh, when we need to have everybody going at the end of the year. But uh, you know, it, it is part of the game. So you give our, other guys opportunities, and, and you know, guys have done the work all summer and, and worked hard and done some of the little things to prepare throughout the long season. So you know, hopefully they're ready to go tonight, and we'll get after it. And just
0: in terms of the season overall, and I've asked you this question before, but I I think I have to ask it again because I think it's still relevant. This has been a a very streaky, maybe as streaky a season as as I can remember in in, in following the prospects. I mean, I know you've had a couple years around 500 like where you are now, but this has really been you might win three, four, five in a row, but then then you've given them back with some, some
1: losing streaks of four or five. Yeah, you know, it, uh, you're, you're right. It, it has been some ups and downs. Uh, um, you know, it, uh, it's a, it's a weird game. You know, we we've lost a bunch of close games when we thought we were going to be able to put some momentum together, and we weren't able to do that. And um, you know, being experienced and going through this process uh, for the first time, some of the players that we've got, uh, you know, haven't done this type of season before. Um, you know, when you have that experience, you kind of maybe know how to deal with things in the middle of the year and, and not let games slip away, which which happened a couple of times to us uh, in the middle parts of the season. You know, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that now. Um, you know, nobody's uh, everybody's experienced now. We've uh, we've been through the, the gauntlet. And now we're on the home stretch, and, and we're going to stay in Edmonton here to finish up the season. And um, you know, it's uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's no better place for us to play our games. Like I said, uh, Reid this is an awesome town uh, to play baseball and the guys love it. You know, we, we quite often have chats and, and just talk about the experience when we have some downtime and, and, uh, you know, it's been a real positive one for the guys in the community and, and people saying hello and, and our guys ability to connect with young fans at kids camp. And when we do autographs and when the kids are hanging out by the dugout, and they're playing catch with our guys. It's, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of our guys for that. Um, they, they've been great ambassadors for us, uh, you know, and, and trying to grow the game of baseball, and and it's those connections that matter. And and you know what, that'll be what the guys remember the most from this summer, and in a couple of months when they start thinking back and reflecting, it'll be some some lasting, lifelong friendships that they've created here. And uh, hopefully, they've been able to inspire some kids here in town. Uh, you know, with the relationships they've created with you know strangers, kids that you know they've never met before. Um, you know, just just taking some time and playing catch with a kid. Uh, you know, down the line in foul territory. Um, I remember what it was like when I was a little guy, and and that would have been huge for me, you know, to to have that kind of connection. So I'm really proud of our guys for that, Um, you know, and and, uh, hopefully we get to extend this a little bit longer.
0: Well said. Well, Jordan, all the best here in this busy stretch of games. Get it done, man. Thanks for
1: your time. Uh, Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me on.
0: Their game's starting in a few minutes. We will keep you updated. We'll update you on the Stingers score, the golf at the Country Club. We'll be joined by Mark Spector and also Danny Bass. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.